This episode of The Explainer is supported by Daft Advantage Ads. Selling a home is a huge financial decision, so make sure your property is on daft.ie, Ireland's number one property website. Welcome to the journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Laura Byrne, and this week, why is there so much talk about a farmer's party? Well, farmers in this country have traditionally been pretty adept at making sure their views are heard in the corridors of power. From large rallies around the country to running sheep or a dozen tractors to the doors of government buildings, farmers have been well represented and well organised. But things are now changing and farmers find themselves on the front lines of the climate and biodiversity crises. As climate targets loom, they're a group under increasing pressure to change how they operate, and many of them would say they're being pushed further towards the margins. They're also now beginning to flex their political muscles as a collective. Recently, tensions emerged around the EU's Nature Restoration Bill, prompting farming bodies to square up to MEPs on that matter, winning major changes. So as the newly formed Farmers' Alliance Party declares itself in Ireland, what does this mean for the sector? And is there now a real appetite here for a powerful political force for farmers and rural dwellers? Now, to break all of this down today, I'm joined by Hannah Quinn Mulligan, who's a journalist and an organic beef and dairy farmer. Hannah, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Hannah, can you tell me, are we already seeing farming now becoming a main battleground for the next general election here? Definitely, but farming has always been a huge battleground for political parties. If you think every time you see a press release from Fianna Gael or Fianna Fáil saying that they're a farmer's party and they represent rural interests, if you think even a couple of months ago, just I think it was November last year, the Irish Crimean Milk Suppliers Association, ICMSA, they had Mary Lou MacDonald, the leader of Sinn Féin, as their keynote speaker. The battle lines are being drawn in terms of parties trying to get farmers on side. I guess what's interesting now is this new Farmers Alliance Party that's come to the fore, because as you touched on in your introduction, farmers are feeling under pressure and they are fighting back through this party, perhaps, and through demand for this party. And we'll probably touch on it later, but the party in itself has been inspired by nearly the same party, except in the Netherlands, where farmers there were under severe pressure um, and still are in terms of the nitrates derogations, water pollution, herd numbers, basically the same issues farmers here are under pressure over. And what started there in the Netherlands was the BBB. I'm not going to try and say it in Dutch, but it is essentially the Farmer Citizen Party. So yeah, we'll probably talk about that and how it's inspired the Farmers Party here. And Hannah, the farming lobby groups here have shown themselves to be effective at mobilising in the past or getting their issues front page attention, so to speak. Do the main political parties in Ireland need to tread carefully here? I would say that from inside the farming sector, it feels like the farming lobby groups have become less effective. Uh, Like there's kind of a catchphrase going around as if to say, oh, no, not another protest. You know, how many times can you drive tractors through Dublin and how effective has it actually been? And I think a lot of farmers feel very bitter as well about the beef plan movement and the protests that happened was it five years ago now where there was blockades outside beef factories. They expected an awful lot more and they didn't get it. And they expected an awful lot more from their farming lobby groups and they didn't get it. So maybe they think that that politics and their own political party is the way to go. So Hannah, where did all this talk then recently of a farmer's party come out of? 
I guess, as mentioned previously, the Irish Farmers Party or Farmers Alliance has been inspired by the Dutch BBB, which is the Dutch Farmers Party. So that was founded by a former journalist back in 2019, Caroline van der Plas. And she does actually have Irish links. Her mother is Irish. Um, so maybe we can claim her. If, if we want to claim her, maybe we could claim her a little bit. Um, but she is very politically savvy. Um, the party in the Netherlands now has 14,500 members. And what they say they do is that they represent represent the silent vote. So the people who are anti-climate change measures, perhaps, and the farmers who are against the increasing restrictions that they're finding on their land and farmers in the Netherlands have basically kind of similar story of a ta- or tale of woes to the Irish farmers in terms of nitrates derogation and potentially culling the herd, uh, serious issues around pollution as well. So that's what this party is meant to be set up for. And Caroline's party, the Farmers Party over there, had a huge success earlier this year. Off the back of that success and with her Irish links, she actually gained a lot of publicity in Ireland. She was on a lot of radio stations here, um, on a lot on the front cover even of, I think, a couple of the farming newspapers here as well. So she encouraged uh, farmers here to form their own political party back in April. Uh, she was a keynote speaker at an event that was held and she st- said that, that what had happened in the Netherlands could happen in Ireland too in terms of the support a political farmers party could have here. So that's what's happened. We now have a farmers alliance. Uh, I think they have 10 members and uh, they've said that in the next general election they hope to field up to 60 candidates which would be very ambitious. Now, there does seem to be serious support for it now. If the recent Irish Farmers Journal poll is anything to go by, can you tell us a little about what that said? Yes. So the Irish Farmers Journal, they polled 2,000 members of the farming community. And I think over 70% of uh, the people when asked if they would support a farmers party, a political one, uh, said yes, that they would give them a vote. Uh, I guess that has to come with some caveats. And not looking at, say, other recent polls, say, for example, the Sunday Independent had an Ireland Thinks poll quite recently, and there was an increase over 30% of people and said that they were very worried about climate issues. Um, But an interesting point that was made by the editor of the Sunday Independent um, in in their editorial was that when uh, Irish Times readers were asked the same question, over 40% said they were very worried uh, about climate issues. So the point there is that different demographics of people will have perhaps different concerns. So if you ask farmers who feel quite frustrated uh, at the minute about the pressures put on them, if they would support a political farmers party that they feel would represent them, uh, even if they aren't 100% sure what that political party currently stands for, they will say yes, um, because they hope that party will represent the pressures that they feel under. And Hannah, what are the main issues then facing farmers right now and what's essentially pushing them away from the main parties here? So we all know that we have climate change targets. Uh, Agriculture has to reduce emissions by 25% um, over the coming years. And that's actually a higher number for other sectors. But agriculture and farmers in particular feel like they've been a whipping boy for all of these measures and all of these rules that are coming in, especially because a lot of farmers, particularly dairy farmers, um, feel that they've taken out huge loans to meet targets that were set out in government policy in terms of increasing milk production after quotas were lifted in 2015. They still have to meet these loans. They have to pay their bills. They have to get their kids through college. And yet they're being told that they potentially have to curb 
the amount of milk that they're producing. And this has made them not not unreasonably uh, quite cross because they did all the right things um, that they were told to do. And now the handbrake handbrake has been pulled and they're being told, wait a second, we're going to have to change policy here. And I would add a caveat, perhaps, that uh, farming organisations and even farming media have been told for a long time, the last five years, anyway, um, since I came back to Ireland and started covering the story, that restrictions would be coming and that there was or did seem to be a mentality that they could just plough on and see how far down this road we could get. But I think we've reached the end of that road now. And then what are the type of policies we might see a farmer's party basing their manifestos on? It, it does seem that they haven't come up with anything concrete yet. Perhaps we can assume that since they've been inspired by the Dutch Farmers' Party, they'll have similar ones in maybe being kind of quite anti-climate measures that have come in, an anti-green agenda. Um, you you would hope perhaps that that wouldn't that they wouldn't fulfil that stereotype and that they would be maybe more um, well-rounded. But at the minute, they haven't come up with anything concrete. And as far as I'm aware, there isn't a full manifesto yet or even um, a budget uh, outline for the upcoming budget. So the Farmers Alliance, as you mentioned, they're now in the mix. Uh, From what you're saying there, we don't know very much about them. Do we know much more about their background? So uh, their background does seem to be be that their their members do draw from what were quite well known beef plan members at, at various stages. They do seem to have ties to that movement, but as was mentioned earlier, that movement didn't perhaps fulfil all of the aspirations that farmers had for it. So it will be interesting to see if the members involved have learnt from that initial foray, perhaps international politics, uh, if they can capitalise on that experience and go forward. But at the minute, it seems that they don't have the savvy know-how that a former journalist like Caroline van der Plas, the leader of the Dutch Farmers Party, would have. And you would wonder if that's going to hold them back. And you mentioned the beef plan movement there. Just for our listeners, could you delve a little bit into that? What was it? How far did it go? Oh, how could they not know what the beef land movement was? Well, the beef land movement, it was quite a loose movement, actually. It was kind of started by two men in County Meath. And uh, what they wanted to see was better price for beef farmers. That was essentially it. And an awful lot of beef farmers supported them. Just for background as well, there's roughly 120,000 farmers in Ireland and 80,000 of them are beef farmers. And usually small scale, the average herd size for a beef farmer would be about 15 cows. And in contrast... Uh, the average herd size for a dairy farmer would be about 96 cows, just kind of to give some perspective on it. So these small uh, beef farmers who feel quite hard done by for a long number of years protested outside beef factories. And this escalated to blockading beef factories. And this further blockaded as well, uh, escalated again to blockading um, a number of distribution centres for supermarkets um, such as Supervalue and Lidl. And it sort of took the agricultural sector by storm. No one saw it getting so big. Protests were held for a number of weeks. No one really knew who was in charge. The two men who originally were in charge, it kind of escalated around the country and different people kind of nominated themselves. 
And then there was also the whole thing went to court. Uh, it, it was a bit of a mess. It ended as a bit of a mess. And after all of the thousands of farmers that got involved in it, um, there is really still only a handful who would call themselves part of that beef plan movement. And they are now a producer group. And together they might get a load of cattle and ensure that they get a slightly better price than the average farmer would uh, going to the beef factory. And that's mainly what has been done. They did a couple of other things, um, but like I've previously said, it, it was a lot of noise and perhaps what farmers really wanted to see in terms of long-term change wasn't achieved. Thinking of selling? Choose a Daft Advantage ads to guarantee unbeatable visibility, attract more buyers and get the best price for your home. Ask your estate agent for a Daft Advantage ad today. And Hannah, with all the talk of new farming parties, where does Michael Fitzmaurice fit into the picture here? There's a bit of talk about him at the moment. Well, it's important to say that independent TDs are always a favourite of farmers and rural voters. And uh, Michael Fitzmaurice is one of the favourites. I don't think anyone would maybe liken Michael, uh, (laughs) compare Michael Fitzmaurice to a pop star. But um, if farmers were to have a poster of a TD in their kitchen, it might be Michael Fitzmaurice. He is very popular and people do feel like that he, he talks sense in rural Ireland anyway. There was an awful lot of talk that perhaps Michael Fitzmaurice, who is uh, Roscommon Galway uh, TD, that he would be the leader of this Farmers Alliance or Farmers Party. And actually, a lot of people were hopeful um, because he is a man and he is known to be a man to get things done uh, as well. So many people were hopeful that he would lead the Farmers Party and that perhaps it would be an amalgamation of existing independent TDs and then perhaps some new TDs as well. I mean, it's not unheard of. There was a farmers' party in Ireland from the 1920s to the 1930s in this country. Uh, But that is not to be so. And there is not one single existing sitting TD in the new Farmers' Alliance. And even though there were, I think, meetings were held between Michael Fitzmaurice and the existing Farmers' Alliance, um, Michael Fitzmaurice has not come come on board with them or they have not accepted him. That bit seems a little bit unclear. Um, but no other independent TDs have come on board either. And perhaps that says a lot about the Farmers Alliance as well, but I'll let listeners draw their own conclusions there. And Hannah, could these farming parties or political groupings achieve their aims while still reaching Ireland's climate goals? The issue is we don't know their aims. You know, it's it's all very nebulous at the minute. They haven't come out with a manifesto. They haven't given us exactly what their aims are. All they've come out and said publicly on Newstalk recently was that they wanted to field 60 candidates in the next general election and, and that they wanted to stand up for farmers. What does that actually mean? You know, the beef plan movement, as we mentioned, they said they'd stand up for farmers, but that doesn't give us the details of what they actually mean. It'll, it will be interesting because obviously we have do have the Farmers Journal poll that's there. There is a lot of goodwill and momentum behind a farmers party. But is this the party to actually do this or is this the collection of people to do that, to capitalise on that momentum? And Hannah, is there an elephant in the room here in terms of maybe denial of climate change or an ambivalence maybe towards how serious it is? Or does it just depend on who you talk to? I think farmers are like any sector of society at the minute. Like if you were to walk out on the street, you'd have some people who are more concerned about it than other other people. I think we've become increasingly concerned about it over the last couple of years and definitely over this last summer. Some farmers are painfully aware of it and 
a lot of farmers are seeing the changes on their land at, at the minute. Um, we've gone from severe drought in June, uh, I think it was the driest June to the wettest July. Um, tillage farmers in particular are really suffering. Uh, there's a lot of concern about how long this upcoming winter is going to be. Do we have enough fodder stored? Some people had to feed um, the uh, silage that they'd made for the winter season during the summer months because of the drought. So in many ways, farmers are at the front line, line of climate change and are feeling the effects right now. But having said that, I think that part of the pushback that farmers or that we see farmers make um, towards climate change is that there isn't a clear roadmap for diversifying or for how they're going to pay their bills. And I think that's a very simple and honest issue to have. If you are the average dairy farmer with the average debt of €100,000, which is is around the average debt, um, and you have repayments to make, same as anyone listening who might have a mortgage, if you, and you know what salary you're going to make at the end of the year, then you know you can meet your mortgage rep- repayments. If you're a farmer, you know how many litres of milk each cow is producing, give or take, and you know how much milk you're going to sell, and you usually know roughly the average price that you're going to get for that milk, and you know you can make those repayments. If you have to go down in cow numbers, how are you going to make those repayments? <laughs> it's 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 that simple. And I haven't seen a government policy from any party um, to explain how farmers are going to make repayments or get kids through college. And what type of farmers could these parties represent? It's not just one homogenous group farming. No, it's not. Um, and there's a bunch of different sectors. So there's like 17,500 farmers in the country are dairy farmers. Then you have 80,000 beef farmers. Then you have tillage farmers, sheep farmers, some a few vegetable farmers. They're a dying breed in themselves, but they are there as well. And I guess you have the dwellers in rural Ireland as well. And like the party in the Netherlands, they say they represent a silent voter who's frustrated with government policies over green issues. And I think an awful lot of people in Ireland are frustrated about green issues. And going back to that Ireland Things poll in the Sunday Independent, I think that one of the least popular leaders is Eamon Ryan, the leader of the Green Party here. So there's a lot of frustration there and a lot of potential for a party like the Farmers Party to pick up votes across not just the farming community, but rural Ireland. And you mentioned the Dutch political leanings there earlier, and we've seen a few farmers parties crop up in Europe. What are their policies overall? Overall, they tend to be quite, I mean, I think they've resisted the term maybe far right. I don't think that goes goes well with for, for any party, especially in Europe, where there's still memories of World War II as well. But definitely they do seem to be anti-green. Um, definitely the party in the Netherlands do seem to be anti-green. But then having said that, and I mentioned earlier the polling data for their upcoming election and that the Farmers Party there is polling at about 14.9%. The party that's in the lead in the Netherlands in terms of the polling data is a Green Alliance at 18.5%. And what's really interesting there is that the uh, executive vice president of the European Commission, Franz Timmermans, who would be known for leading the Green Deal and various green policies that have been unpopular with farmers, he's actually returned to the Netherlands and is likely to be named as leader of the Green Alliance. So it's going to be very interesting from an Irish perspective to watch in November what happens in the Dutch elections, given that the Dutch party, inspi- Dutch Farmers Party, inspi- has inspired the Irish Farmers Party, because. If it ends up being 
a landslide victory for the Greens, and that that might not ha- not happen, but still, if it ends up being a victory for the Green Alliance in the Netherlands, and um, then have we perhaps taken the hype around the Dutch Farmers Party a bit too seriously? And did we give it too much media attention here because of the Irish connections that their founder had? So it will be a very interesting thing to watch um, the Dutch election in November. And Hannah, how could these parties then win over the non-farming voters? There are many rural dwellers feeling disenfranchised too, aren't there? There are there are definitely people in rural Ireland feeling disenfranchised um, over the price of fuel in particular, over thorny issues like turf. It might not seem that important to someone living in Dublin or Cork City, but it is a very sensitive issue for people who have been footing turf for generations. And those are issues that if the Farmers Party manages to tap into, that they will win rural voters. It just remains to be seen if they have the political savvy to do that. And there, there are some big issues coming down the line for farmers. I would imagine people might be hearing a lot about nitrates derogation, that kind of thing. Uh, are they the main issues? It's one of the biggest issues. So I guess we've bandied around the term nitrates derogation. What it means is that farmers can stock. Uh, farmers have a, usually a kind of a standard amount of um, cattle or livestock that they can have on a farm. And if you go above that standard amount that's allowed, then you need to get a derogation for that to give you permission to have more cows than would usually be allowed. So usually dairy farmers have this. So we mentioned, say, there's 17,500 dairy farmers in the country. Roughly 7,000 of them would have nitrates derogations, which allows them to be stocked at a higher rate. So that means that they can produce more milk because they have more cows, but those cows also produce more poo, (laughs) slurry, um, which needs to be spread across the land and also stored in winter months. So if you have a nitrates derogation, you are subject to much stricter rules in terms of spreading chemical fertilizer for growing grass. In terms of spreading slurry, you need to have an awful lot more storage for winter months if winter stretches longer than it normally does. And by and large, actually, you're Farmers who have a nitrates derogation, because they are so heavily inspected, will have better facilities than farmers than that perhaps don't have a nitrates derogation. Yet, there's a, Ireland is one of a handful of countries in the EU who still is allowed to have a nitrates derogation. I think there's only four countries now who have a nitrates derogation. It remains to be seen if we will keep that nitrates derogation, because it's all based on water quality. And as we know, the water quality in Ireland has not improved uh, over the last couple of years, and that has been directly linked to agriculture, nitrates in the water and also um, phosphates as well. So things like from animal manure and then chemical fertiliser used for agricultural purposes as well. So given that the water quality essentially hasn't improved over the last couple of years, the nitrates derogation, the amount of animals that can be stocked on a farm are probably going to be reduced And that means that farmers are worried that they will produce less milk and get less money. And there again, we've gone back to the issue of will farmers be able to pay their loans and get kids through college. And stepping away from politics a little, you had a piece recently looking at how this miserable summer is having an impact on farmers. How's the harvesting season going so far? And maybe for those not in farming, what type of impact could they see? Would we be looking at higher prices on the back of this? The harvesting season is basically a disaster. It has been terrible for farmers in terms of harvesting crops like wheat and barley. 
Um, it's going to put serious pressure on tillage farmers. Last year, they had tillage farmers had a very good year. And I was talking to one man who pointed out that a lot of tillage farmers had invested in new machinery because they'd had a better year last year. But obviously, that machinery is subject to repayments. And given the bad harvest this year, uh, in a couple of months' time, when it comes to maintaining those repayments, there might be serious issues for tillage farmers. That's how bad it is. You know, wild farmers will be used to kind of an up and down in the seasons. Uh, to go from what was the hottest June to the wettest July is incredibly severe. So what this is going to do, it's going to put pressure on your average livestock farmer in terms of have they made enough silage to get them through the winter months. And it's going to put pressure on the tillage farmers in terms of the crops that they're selling are the quality of them isn't as good. They're not going to get as good a price for them. And then as well, tillage farmers make a huge amount of straw that your average livestock farmer will need to bed animals, say for calving cows, um, lambing sheep, all that kind of thing. So everything has a knock-on effect. And the price of straw is likely to get very expensive, especially good good quality straw, which might sound like a little thing, but it's actually a huge thing um, in terms of animal welfare and um, animal kind of husbandry, basic animal husbandry. You don't want cows giving birth on dirty straw or bad straw. It's it's going to be potentially a tough couple of months going forward. I don't know if consumers will necessarily feel the brunt of that. I think consumers are always one step removed from uh, what's really happening to farmers. Um, and ultimately, the most pointed impact that consumers have felt is as a direct result of the war in the Ukraine. So a lot is going to depend not just for farmers, but for consumers as well in terms of how long that lasts. Um, our chemical fertilizer price is going to go, go up or down depending on what President Putin does. Um, our, you know, and that is really what's going to impact um, prices for Irish consumers still, not necessarily what's happening in Ireland, but what's happening in, in Ukraine. Well, there's no question that farmers are up against it now in a change in climate and it really will be interesting to see how this all plays out at the ballot box. Hannah, thanks so much for joining us today. No problem. Thank you very much. This episode of The Explainer was supported by Daft Advantage Ads, the best way to sell your home in Ireland. Looking to get the best price for your home? Ask your estate agent for a Daft Advantage ad today. Thanks again to farmer and journalist Hannah Quinn Mulligan for joining us today. You've been listening to the Explainer podcast by thejournal.ie. This episode was brought to you by senior producer Nikki Ryan, Mira Shukarul, who's production assistant, and executive producer Sinead O'Carroll. If you'd like to support all the work we do here, head to thejournal.ie forward slash contribute to make a one-off donation or become a monthly subscriber. And of course, you can always leave a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.